I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you elves out there, be it small elves or tall elves? I'm Alan. I'm people size elfed Molly. And I'm Max. Are you an elf? Who's to say? Ooh, the intrigue, the yeah. mystery. I'm just, tr- I'm crying. To, I, I'm trying to create mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's working. Uh, and this yeah. is Zetus Lapidus. It is a podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie in chronological order and spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, we watch the ultimate, the ultimate Christmas present. Yeah. We did. It was, it was a movie that I saw with my eyeballs and my God. We yes, had a elf. good run. We I mean, had a good who run. Knows who knows? Yeah, yeah. We had we had we have like two movies. They're pretty good. <laughs> like two, and I think we're gonna have some more because you know the sequel is, is coming. Yeah, motocross is soon. Motocross is after the sequel. Maybe it's true that the darkest day comes before the dawn. You know, I think, I think maybe. <laughs> I think I, I think that's accurate. Maybe the darkest, truly the darkest time comes before the sun rises. I have to tell y'all something. Okay. I kind of liked it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I, I, didn't, well, I didn't love it. These no, ratings will be different. And there we will is, be very there not is aligned. a lot not to like, but there were a few things I found endearing that okay. we'll talk about. But let, let's okay. talk about the basic show info. The basic show info of the ultimate Christmas present is a girl steals a weather machine from Santa Claus to make a snow day. The machine breaks and causes an out of control snowstorm. That does happen. That I guess is the core plot synopsis of this film. It even gives away. Sure. I want you to. Uh, I want you to think of how much of this film isn't in that. Yes, too much. I, I'm gonna calm down. I'm gonna take a deep breath. Too much. You could. You could really, really summarize this movie without ever talking about a meteorologist at all. You could. 100% or a flying Fiero. Uh, <laughs> this movie was released on December 1st of two. Thousand. That's so close to my birthday, but I still don't have a birthday. Movie. It is very close to your birthday, mm. but don't worry. I do have an item that is on your birthday listed here Ooh. in terms of the news events. Okay. Uh, did either of you watch this movie as a kid? First time today. No, I yeah, didn't. I didn't watch it as a kid either. I'm very happy about it. All right. The top grossing song of the time was Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. Oh, hell Yeah. I love Destiny's Child, and I really liked this song. And I'm pretty sure I'm gonna I'm gonna say this with my mind. Yeah, okay, this how was, are I gonna hear you? No, this was the Charlie's Angels song. This is oh. this well, is why Charlie's Angels was thinking. the grass uh, was the was the top grossing film. Was it like last week? Last, last week, Charlie's Angels was yeah, the top grossing the film. This was, oh, the, sure, this was okay. the song that came out for that song. Interesting. That, oh. All the women who are independent, throw your hands up at me. All the honeys make your money, throw your hands up at me. I'm actually going to give you guys a girl. Guess. I didn't know you could get down like that, Charlie. How your angels get down like that? Oh, it's well, actually in the it's lyrics. Literally yeah. in the lyrics. Oh, wow. Oh, good to know. I'm going to give you both a guess of what the top grossing film was of this week. It was December 1st, the year 2000. Not Charlie's Angels anymore. It is not Charlie's Angels any longer. You are correct. I'm going to guess a Christmas movie. It is a seasonal classic. Yeah. I'd love some background Jeopardy music here. I'm going to... Is it The Grinch? It is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring one Jim Carrey. Yeah. Well done. That's Alan's, Brilliant! Alan's favorite Christmas movie. I love that movie so it's much. Animated movie. or with Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah, that was the top grossing film of the time. 
Love that, which makes sense, classic holiday-wise. Uh, you reject your own nose. You reject your own nose because it represents the glitter of commercialism. Why didn't I think of that? Brilliant. Cut, check. But then, moving on. Uh, anyway, indeed, moving on. The top news headlines of the time <laughs> were the election nonsense of the year 2000 continues between Al Gore and Jefferson. Chads! Chads! Chads. Not hanging. the Chad lads, but the hanging Chads. The hanging Chads are, are hanging. Do your Chads hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a bow? Can you, you throw them over up. your shoulder like a Continental soldier? Do your chads, do your chads hang, hang low? I do think it's interesting that, that Gore's involved here when we're about to get into a movie about climate change. Mm. So. You're not wrong. Quite topical for him. It is. that Maybe that's why we have a meteorologist present in this film. Oh, now, I'm, now, now it's adding up. He is a physical representation of Al Gore mm-hmm. and... <laughs> <laughs> that's gone. We just see like Max is like the meme of the woman doing math. Like, oh. Uh, on December 4th, Eminem released his single, Stan, spawning a oh, cultural wow. turn of phrase that continues to this day. That, that is my birthday. It is. What a gift from Eminem to the world and me specifically. Oh, he, mm. he wrote that song for you? Not uh, no. for Stan? No, he did not write that for <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, hey. I will say. It was a gift for you. I love Eminem. My mom, not a fan, as you can imagine. <laughs> Your mom not an Eminem fan? You know, she wasn't. I know that's shocking being a, I don't know, year 2000, like, 12-year-old girl that I wasn't supposed to <laughs> listen suppose to Eminem's lyrics here. about, you know, beating his wife but Ooh, killing um, her even yeah, yeah yeah i i liked eminem and would sneak listen to his albums after i burned a sweet cd with limewire oh we do we do love mm. a limewire mm. lime well instead of talking about things we like let's move on to this movie so the ultimate christmas present begins I make it clear i didn't I didn't like that he beat up his wife. Nobody said. <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable. I just laughed at that, but it was funny. But, but we I also want, didn't I say you were. I just want the were. record to reflect that I understand his lyrics are uh, incredibly offensive, and I do not condone any kind of violence against violence against yeah, anyone, but anyone, particularly women. But I did like Eminem's music more, more so the songs like "Real Slim Shady" and kind of the more. Silly one. I think this is a solid chance for all of the Mammoth Club to take. Okay, so we start the ultimate Christmas present without exposition. Now, let me tell you, I was lulled into a false sense of security that was quickly pulled from me as I saw the name Spencer Breslin flash Mm. across the screen. And I was like, holy shit, this man is in a lot of Santa based content, and it is starting here. And yeah. I, it, it, it is, it's a lot. So the setup of your opening scenes are to establish it is Christmas time. It is upbeat Christmas music and you are in LA. So it is bright and sunny and you meet first Edwin Hadley, the meteorologist who is grumpy, just surly and upset seemingly. Well, he's talking about how it's going to be warm at Christmas time because of all these different reasons. And this is when I thought global warming. This is this is Al Gore's film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very Edwin, timely, and, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Edwin introduces that it's going to be a hot Christmas because we're in L.A. and da 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 da, hot Christmas time. That brings us to the sort of TV within the family room of 
the primary family that we are going to be following. We are introduced to Allie, our main character, as well as the mom and dad. The mom's from Lizzie McGuire. Sure is. Mom from Lizzie M. Sure is. Uh, the younger son, or younger brother, rather, Joey, who is played by Spencer Breslin, uh, as well as quickly afterwards, we meet uh, the neighbor, Sam, I believe is her, her name. Her bestie. It's Brenda Song. Yeah, Brenda, Brenda Song. Song, everybody. If I could welcome be. Welcome to the theater. She'll yeah, be, she'll be the back. Theater. She'll be prevalent. Yes. Can I just, I'm going to go ahead and say this now. I'm going to get out ahead of this early. I only liked Sam. Yeah, that's a fair take. That's base right agree. there. I could agree with that. That's a base take. I was okay with mom and dad. I thought mom and dad were okay. They were as okay as you could be as a parent in a decom. Sure. The, the okayest nah. parents. Okay, I think that's o- a good award. Yeah, there's, we've had good parents. Yeah, they're, they're okay. They're, they're, they're okay. very middle of the road parents. Yeah. Uh, I loathe Allie and Joey, oh, yeah. and we'll get there Obviously. later. But I, I enjoyed Sam. I will say this movie is interesting because it introduces a bunch of faces that will become really prevalent Yes, in Disney, but that aren't yet. Like, very young Brenda Song, as an example. And it was weird to see Spencer Reslin here, hot off the heels of The Kid. Oh, right? yeah. uh, He just hung out with Bruce Willis, and now he's making this movie. But we do have one community theater crossover that we'll get later. So. Yes, and that's it's true. A, it it's a good a, one clawback it's a good one i like it (laughs) um uh we i think the entire setup and we don't have to dive into every individual scene but the entire setup of of meeting all of these characters at once is to sort of introduce the chaos with which they live their life dad is an entrepreneur starting a website for dog bones and he's got to travel for that he often travels to work the family knows it the mom runs a catering company she has gotten a million catering calls as christmas is right around the corner and she's going to make a bunch of meals the Joey and Allie are engaged in their own day-to-day activities. They have sort of a contentious brother-sister relationship that you'd expect in any sort of family that's been set up in this way. Uh, I will tell you quickly, Allie sets the tone for her entire arc of character, like the entire character arc she takes it just is just one note. And it's her being like, I'm the best, I'm cool, I'm frankly an asshole and a little bit narcissistic. And it leads off with, Sam saying, you're a genius. And Allie unironically responding with, I know. Yep. I was like, maybe that's just a one-off. It wasn't. They have written this character that way the entirety of this movie. So buckle up. We've got a bunch of examples of that. Uh, and the reason that she is a genius is because she's figured out how to get them an invite to the cute boy in class Blake's Christmas party. Blake. And that leads me to my first question, which is... Are they both into Blake? Mm. Seems like they're both into Blake. I think. Later hmm. in this movie, yeah, it might be because much later in this movie, it's revealed that she has a crush on Blake and it seems like this is a surprise to Sam. Yeah. Mm. And, and so I'm not sure if she just, neither one of like Sam thinks neither one of them, they just want to go to the popular boys party. Or if Sam is also into Blake and this is a reveal that like her best friend is into Blake. I don't know. But it does seem much later in the movie when it's revealed you have a crush on Blake that Sam is surprised by this information. I'm just saying as a once middle school girl, it does not end well when you and your friend both have a crush on the same boy. Mm, Somebody's feelings get hurt. Um, That happened to you? It happens to me and you all the time. We both have a crush. On <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Well, now we're well. yeah, but we're not middle school anymore. We, you know, we've matured. We can we can handle. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, the the last sort of thing that I'll mention and just let that roll off my back like a duck in water is that I appreciate you mentioning ducks, Alan. You're welcome. I did that for you, pal. I did that for you, pal. We have that in common. Yeah, you know what? Yep. Me. You got it, pal. God, why do people make thruple jokes? Also be <laughs> <laughs> Also be on this podcast. Make Making the joke. joke. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So the last thing that we get is Allie and Joey sort of talking to their dad about Chris. Christmas gifts of what they want uh, as he travels. Joey wants a video game um, by the name of, if I remember correctly, Renegade Starship. And Allie wants to join Team Xblads with yeah, a pair does. of rollerblades. I like that you immediately assume she's Xblads and not Pup and Suds because she would not she be is, a Soul Skater. Yeah, she's not definitely not a Soul Skater. She is. She is going to compete with Val for who is like head asshole of Xblads. It's yes. like there is a contentious neck and neck of that one. She's going to injure other people. Like, she's going to put the gravel out and cause injury. Well, she did cause an entire couple of cities to shut down later on in this movie. So I'm... You're not wrong. I'm not worried about her her conscience to execute at scale, right? Like, I think she's kind of set that aside. Mom is writing down the schedule for the holidays, and she's got, like, post-it notes and a calendar, and she... I feel like very accurately portrays the chaos that is the holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like in my existence, everybody always talks about how much they love the holidays and they're this like wonderful, magical time of year. But in reality, oh. they can be so chaotic and so stressful because mom's like, okay, your flight lands this day. And then I have a catering job this day. And then we have to take you guys to the school play this day. And then so-and-so has a recital this day. And then we also have grandma and grandpa coming over at this time, but then we have to go see aunt and uncle. And it's like, yeah, that's what the holidays are like. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of uh, obligations, only some of which are necessary, but all of which feel important. Uh, it, she does, Kate, display that really well, which then after they have that sort of scene where Allie pokes fun at her mom for being organized, they go to school and we see that Allie is incredibly unorganized because Allie is busy doodling Blake and her name in a bunch of doodles in that notebook instead of writing or completing at this point her creative writing paper which was assigned to her a week ago which Mm -hmm. feels like maybe she should have done her work instead of procrastinating by the way listener this paper is the fulcrum by which this movie swings it is her desire to not want to complete a homework assignment with ample time that's what causes the movie, the, the crux of the movie to move forward. All right. I'm, I'm just going to say, I wouldn't have written that fucking paper until the last minute either. So I, 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 can't, I can't throw shade. Um, I'd be writing that paper it. the you night before. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. night before I would have written the paper. Oh, but like, awesome. I don't care that she had an extra week because no one's writing that paper <laughs> in that week. Let's I, be honest. I, I also wasn't writing the paper in that week. And maybe I am less sympathetic because I was good at writing. And if this was like math homework, I would feel really stressed for her trying to do her like times tables or something. But it's basically the easiest assignment of all time. It's creative writing. It's literally write write anything. Write any story you want. Make up a prompt. Go. Any story you want. It's not write a story in the style of the Canterbury Tales because we just read those. It's not write a story that includes these types of characters. It's literally write any story you want. Yeah. And I was like, this is the paper that's causing 
all anxiety. of this. Anxiety. Yeah. You can bang this thing out. No problem. Literally Just, two hours. She's yeah. The teacher says, what's your story about? And she rattles off some bullshit about William Shakespeare getting a job making French fries. It's like literally write that down, write that down. The, the thing you just said, write it down. It'll take you 10 yep. minutes and you're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what? Interestingly enough, the teacher in a previous scene had already given, given the students the key, this, this little knowledge nugget as teachers do that was like, Hey guys, when you're writing this paper, use a paragraph to contain a singular idea. Now, I don't know if you were counting, but through Allie's bullshit spew, she had about eight ideas. So that's eight paragraphs. You slap on an intro and an exit, you've got that essay. Like that's five pages, single space, you're good to go. Yeah, it, it was silly to me that this is the paper that was causing the problem. It wasn't like a book report on a book no. she hadn't read or anything. It was just like, write two pages on literally anything. Not a big test that she wasn't prepped for that was mm-hmm. going to be 90% of her grade. Right. right. I will also say, though, the idea that this paper is being due the day before Christmas break is pretty cringe. Let me just say I mean, that. I've had that teacher. I've had that teacher. Do you know what's cringe is that I don't think we ever had papers due the day before break, but for many of my uh, years in school, we had exams after break. Oh, What? Like they expected you to retain all of that stuff over. Yeah, By the, that's not of, how your brain. That's actually not how your brain. Most works. of middle and high school, instead of like ending the semester with exams, you end the semester, had your two weeks off, and then came back and had a week of exams. Oh, so they which wanted then you to you, study. They want you to study over break. That's, that's a, crazy. That's, it was crazy. That's actually terrible. Yeah. Well, that's regardless. I think we all agree that this assignment. Not that big of a deal. Could easily be knocked out over the span of a few hours. Frankly, had she planned ahead and had executed the assignment the day it was assigned, she would have been done with it and not had to worry about it. Alan, get out of here. No one's doing that. Nobody's doing doing it the day it was assigned. I would have been doing it in the class before. I, I, yeah, I, I did most of my senior year homework in yearbook, which was a class I was in my senior year. I, I wrote an entire paper, an entire research paper about shark attacks for my science class in the Spanish class before. Nice. I just had all this knowledge in my brain and I put the first draft down. How much anxiety does that give you, Alan? Not a small amount. <laughs> <laughs> like, not a small, like, eh. Yeah. I had like 80 minutes Spanish that morning. I was like, I got this. The only yeah. time in, that I can remember in my schooling career of doing that was on the Disney. And the reason like I, I had to complete it on time is because I knew if I didn't, then I knew it would get lost and everything else I was doing. Cause when I was in college, I worked two jobs. So like I, I was, I had to pay for school and I had to pay for books. So I was like, well, if I get the assignment, I do the assignment, then I go to work. But on my college program, I woke up, I was taking a, I was taking the only English class I had to take for all of university. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, Eastern standard time. And it was due 6am central. And I was like, shit, I've not written this. And it was of mice and men. So I was able to sit down and like crank out an essay that I've written before. And I was like, I'm just going to submit that. But that was like, I remember to this day, I actually still have bad dreams about that night, waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Be like, I got to write this thing. Did you, you panic woke up? Yeah, I panic woke up. Mm. I like my brain reminded me, it's like, hey pal, you've got an assignment. And I got up and I did it. I just want to go back to my shark paper. The reason I was able to do it in 80 minutes is because my science teacher said, write a paper on anything you want. 
in science. As long as it's related to science, you can write a paper on it. Much like mm-hmm. Allie's Much paper. like Allie, who could have written a story about anything. She could have written a bit about her mom. She could have written a story about a woman that owns a catering company. She could have literally just ta- watched her mom for five minutes and written it down. So we all agree, not that big of a deal. An easy assignment to complete, regardless of when you want to complete it. And Let's just keep talking about this paper for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> In my what? script, it's a book report. And oh she hasn't my God. <laughs> I'm just saying that's better. If it, I agree. If she hasn't read of Vice Admin and the paper's due tomorrow, she's fine. I agree better. Okay. Instead of a In my script, no, <laughs> In my script, it's, I, it's the Odyssey. Well, this movie? I just want to get through it. Yeah, this recording's so, still better than this movie. Yes. I'm just going to tell even you. Even this circular even conversation. Even this moment is better than this movie. So, what would you say is the best book oh you read? Oh, my God. <laughs> what was your middle school favorite read? Has you ever been to a chili cook-off? How do you feel about? I have one job. It's to move us through. This quagmire of a plot. Lord of the Flies was was oh. my answer. For the record, we will be doing a chili kickoff as part of a decom, so it's uh, you know. God. So Allie could have done it very yeah, we, easily. Alan, we all agree with you. Okay. Instead of like any That's reasonable human, any reasonable human <laughs> doing the assignment in a timely way, <laughs> she goes, I've got to figure out how to get out of school. <laughs> I'm going to break it in her into an old, old man's home. I'm going to do an impromptu B&E, which is just thematically appropriate for a DCOM, is another impromptu B&E. Why does she do that? There's it's no so reason. Crazy. It's inexplicable. I hate this plot point. Here's why I hate it. There's this is what it went no off the rails for me. for this to no, happen. No, 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 no. I hate it. She literally, they're getting on their bikes to go home and instead, literally, Brenda's song, this movie is better with her as the main character. It is better with Sam as your lead, and I have other data. You all thought I was the unhinged one. I hate this movie. It just so, it was just that Alan had a higher breaking point than yeah. I did. That's but now all. that he's broken, it's done. Okay, yeah. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. We're fine. We're back. Okay. So Sam says, <laughs> Hey, let's go the normal way. What if it was home. the Hobbit though? Oh I think I think like the, the Lord of the Rings movie worse. It's a longer. I just wanna I just wanna get through this trash film. <laughs> Allie, unprompted, for no other reason than I'm sure it was in the script, was like, nah, you know what people do in times like this? Take shortcuts through the woods. No, it's because it's it's because they were short on time. They needed to get a pay they needed to get a gift, Joey's gift, and they needed to get home by some certain amount of time. And Brenda's like, you there's no way. And she says, No, we can just shortcut through the woods. It's easy. We'll make it no problem. Yeah. Um, then conduct a B and E, which d- inherently delays them more than even if they had gone home the road. Well, they get lost, right? Uh. They they definitely she definitely doesn't know the path. Like it, she it, just did it. It sets up Allie, if if we haven't learned this already, as having a ton of false unearned confidence. Yeah. And the inability to admit when she's made any kind of error or mistake. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's it's too much because as a girl, you want girls that are confident and like, you're like, yeah, good for you. But there's a line and she has crossed that line where she and her brain can do no wrong and often 
Yeah, she's a narcissist. It, it ends up in disaster, which she takes no responsibility for. No, she's a narcissist mm-hmm. for sure. What we have happened here is that this is very clearly Santa's summer cabin. Like, there's there's no mystery for this at all. You're like, oh, look at this jolly man with a white beard in a cabin I tinkering love, on a toy. I love the idea that Santa just uses the North Pole as a front. But really, he's living in the woods in California. In Los Angeles. Like, yeah. I just, I love that idea. Because it's it's not summertime. It's like three days before Christmas when this is happening. Like, I just love the idea that everyone thinks Santa's in the North Pole, but he's actually just like luxuriating in, in the California woods. I mean, yeah, in a cabin. At a certain point, absolutely. So Santa's tinkering on this device. He gets frustrated. He grumbles and he throws this device out into the trash. And Allie because she's a rabble rouser is like you know what i want to go get that thing that is in the trash so she went and steals the device from the trash much to the chagrin of the actual protagonist sam who is like hey don't steal stealing's bad and Allie's like fuck you i'm gonna steal and they leave have no idea what the device is just know that a disgruntled jolly man threw it away and then they head home. So they get home. Allie, Sam, take the device upstairs and begin to tinker with sure. the device. And wouldn't it caused, you? you know what? No. Because Alan wouldn't have stolen it to begin but with. But I wouldn't have, I would have been like, Because Alan did his paper a week before. I did my paper Alan, a week before. What was the book he had to read? <laughs> I do think it's worth noting that she says, let's ding dong ditch this guy. And if I check it out, you have to write my paper. Like she's trying everything, everything. to get out of writing yeah, this paper. Everything. Literally the entire, uh, the fact that the entire movie hinges on this concept is just bananas. They get home, start tinkering this device and it causes a rainstorm in Allie's Room, it it which causes the room. some sweet CGI effects. Oh, it's incredible! It's what it causes. Uh, we get a what do we get in her room? We get a rainstorm, we get a tornado, we get a lightning strike, and an earthquake. Okay, I, I need to pause right there because as somebody that lives in LA, I need I need to give you context on how f- crazy this line was. They do an earthquake, and the assistant, mom's assistant, it rumbles. He like goes to the ground, goes under the table. She's like, it's over, it's fine, it's whatever. And he said, that's what they said about the big one in 94. Now, this is a real reference to the Northridge earthquake, which was a 6.7 magnitude earthquake that hit Los Angeles and people died. Yeah. Like, this is a real reference in a decom to an actual... Almost seven on a Richter scale earthquake that happened in L.A. with multiple deaths. And they just make a passing reference to it. I was like, that's an insane thing to put in this movie. Why Uh, not just say, like, the big one? Like, don't reference the year. Just don't, like, leave it alone. That's crazy to think of. Wow. I'm a little bit stunned. I'm not a little bit. I'm a lot bit stunned by that. So they have all these events. Ultimately, it draws the attention of Allie's mother, who comes upstairs and is naturally a bit miffed that her daughter's room is soaked and they have not cleaned anything up. A lamp has been blasted to smithereens via controlled lightning. And she's like, hey, guys, clean, clean up the room. Like, 
take care of your stuff, please. And when I say that it takes Allie far too long to apologize for the fact that she's flooded a part of the house, it takes far too long for her to apologize. Again, just a, just another. Well, we also get Joey, the little brother coming to snoop what they're doing. And he is the most one-dimensional character. Yeah. Maybe in any decom ever at this yeah. point. More than question mark? Yeah, I More was going to say, mark. even in the last movie where they named them after their one trait, he might be more one dimensional. I agree. And the one dimension is pain in the ass, little brother. <laughs> yeah. He is the most obnoxious child. The next time someone asks me why I don't have kids, I'm going to play them this movie. I'm going to say, because that is a possibility. Just clips of Joey. Over I, like and that, over and he, over. Or Allie. Who cares? Yeah. Either they one. both suck. Either one. Possibility. Oh my God. But he graded me on, on a level I am having a hard time explaining because he was so obnoxious. No, I know. Ask somebody know. who grew up with a younger sibling. One thing that I will share is that those moments happen. Now, in my experience, they were not nearly as frequent. But when they did happen, and you are the child who's like, and I've, I've been on both sides. I, let, let me be clear. I'm not innocent. I've been on both sides of that coin, right? But thinking back, I'm like, God, I hate it. I hate myself for doing it. And I hate have having to have lived through it in real life. It's Alan, I know you. And there's no shot you were ever annoying as this kid. Yeah, definitely not a not a Joey. I'll also say I think that this is most of Spencer Breslin's characters. So I don't I don't know that this is necessarily relegated to just Joey. Um, because he talks exactly the same as he does in other movies that I've well, seen. You want to know something cool about Spencer Breslin in this film? Tell Here's me. A little bit of trivia for you. Spencer Breslin received and garnered a 2000 Young Artist Award nomination for best performance in a TV movie in the comma or drama, uh, comedy or drama categories for young actors age 10 or under for this movie. <laughs> Take it in. Listeners, I want you to know both Max and Molly are processing this in both in very unique ways. <laughs> Did he win? Yes, he won it. <laughs> Imagine losing. <laughs> I cried. I'm crying. Mom! Oh my god! What was the award? Two thousand Young Artist Award nomination for best performance in a TV movie for comedy or dramas for young actors age ten or under. It's a super specific category. Oh my god, who cares? <clears throat> Was he the only person nominated? I'm, I'm looking up right now who who, who lost. <laughs> I just can't. I, I, I hope no one else was nominated. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a little fun note about Spencer Breslin and his acting job. That's wild. <clears throat> I mean, shout outs to him being an elephant in the Santa Claus too, but okay. I, this is just, it's tough to watch, but no, no, he, he didn't win. He was oh, okay. nominated. 
Oh, oh thank, thank God. God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God. <laughs> Ultimately, they they steal the device, they tinker with it, they find out it controls the weather, and they put it on the snow setting in an attempt to cause a blizzard uh, to try to shut down all school activities so that way Allie doesn't have to write her paper, which naturally, right? Naturally, that's a solution. So they... They being Allie set the device, the Weatheromatic 2000. That's not what it's called. This is what I'm going to call it moving forward. It's a good name. Yeah, I, I respect it. Thank yeah. You. Off the, the cuff, I think you nailed it. Yeah. The WOM 2000, they take that, crank it to I, snow. I don't like that as much. All right, fine. Weatheromatic 2000, <laughs> they take that, crank it to high, set it outside. I'm sorry, crank it to low because it's for snow. Just put it outside, and then they're like, why isn't it snowing immediately? And I was like, well, I guess it has to work hard because it's outside the room. And they go to sleep. I actually have some interesting news for you all. Tell me. So in this category, he was nominated alongside Stephen Joffe for The Wishing Tree, Sam mm-hmm. Smith for Oliver Twist, Matt mm-hmm. Weinberg for The Last Dance. We don't care about any of that. Also in his nomination category, Jacob Smith for Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh! And the winner, Miles Jeffrey from Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Hey! What? Oh, Miles Jeffrey. And you that know what? That was a good movie. That was a well-deserved role. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Well, I stand corrected. Spence Brothers. Thank nightmare. God. Thank God. Thank Poor, God. Because thank if God. I had known he was against Miles Jeffrey. Yeah. Or Jacob Smith. Either one. Also, I have, I'm sorry. I was too busy Googling that. I have to back us up to Joey, unfortunately, for one more second, because there was a one-off line that was absolutely Oh, is this about crazy. the- Crazy. Oh. So he is like- adamantly annoying Allie about what his Christmas present is, which will come back into play later. He's like, would you get me? What'd you give me? What'd you get me? Like he's being ultimate annoying younger brother. And he's trying to guess what he is receiving for Christmas. Mm. And one of his guesses is a Laker girls poster. Mm. And I was like, Oh, you're like eight. So I'm glad we're starting sexism young. Like why, Mm. why does an eight year old need a poster of the Laker girls? other than to be a weird punchline that adults wrote. I, I will both in this moment say I understand your perspective and also tell you I had a Spice Girls poster on my wall when I was about eight years old and I didn't hate the way they looked. So Is it because I, you are appreciating their musical talents? It was two things and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. They were spicing up your life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I I hear you. I just the other perspective is like as I as I was a kid in a similar scenario. As a previously eight year old boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah. didn't need the line though. I agree. We, I agree. Know. It didn't need to be in the movie. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. It was mostly a Lakers reference, yeah, is what they were doing. They yeah, were just making a Lakers been... reference. Can I, yeah, post for Kobe. You Kobe, know what I mean? like, yeah, I was trying to think yeah. of a basketball player. Thank you. But like, yeah, sure. it, the the fact that it's the Laker girls is only because a man was writing totally. this. Totally. So like, <laughs> 100%. 100%. You're not wrong. Okay, so it snows. Allie wants to make it snow. We cut away to the North Pole, which is certainly the actual North Pole and not at all a green screen soundstage. And they have Mrs. Claus taking a lot of phone calls, trying to coordinate what's happening in the North Pole because Santa is, as we have previously assumed, on a sabbatical in L.A. And two elves bust through the door. Sparky and Crumpet 
Sparky is Harold the Mummy, also known as Bill Fagabacky, and Crumpet is John Sally. And they bust into the room to present Mrs. Claus with a pyramid scheme for telemarketing for the North Pole that, that using elves as telemarketers. It, Welcome to Beauty Theater there. We're going all the way back to the beginning. I know you haven't seen his face before uh, because it was all wrapped up, but here he is again, Harold the Mummy, uh, exclusively plays in seasonal movies. Yeah, thus far, that, must that is be true. in his contract with Disney. Yeah. Like, I only want to play in a holiday film. Yeah, holiday films. The goal of this entire introduction is to establish the sort of childlike, clumsy nature of Sparky and Crumpet and introduce that Santa is indeed the individual who the weather machine was stolen from. Santa has noticed the weather machine is gone and is worried about it. I have a quick question. Why the fuck does Santa have a weather machine? <laughs> well, that gets revealed at the end of the movie. There, Malls. Literally the last like, seven lines in the it movie. It does. Yes. I was not paying attention because uh, I, I don't. I don't blame you. I thought to myself, <laughs> why does he need this? Santa, in all of his lore and all of the tales of you know Père Noël and Father Christmas and Shijo, yeah. you never hear about his magical weather machine. Well, he yeah. didn't put the right batteries in it, so that's. I, uh, he, they, uh, uh, this movie's title does get said at the end of I, the film, and it is re- in relation to the question you are asking. I remember that. I just... Yeah, he, he says he wants to give everyone a white Christmas. That is the ultimate Christmas present, is to give the world a, a white Christmas. A white Christmas. Mm-hmm. That is his ultimate goal. Santa's mm-hmm. ultimate Christmas present yeah. is to make it snow in regions that are unequipped to handle the snow. Yeah. Where people I, I will assuredly crash their cars, not yeah. be able to work, yeah. ice the roads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you all, I, I, I have lots of thoughts about this, but we can get into them, you know, uh, I'll just hit right now. You all recently in Los Angeles, you, you came to visit, and while you were here, it rained. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I explained to you all, yeah, this city's really not, set up for this like just a little bit of rain our roads are starting to flood like it doesn't really rain here so it's a problem like it's it's an issue even when a little bit of rain um my thought when this movie happened is that la would have been crippled by the snow that happens in this film the fact that they have electricity until the very end of this movie the fact that anybody is doing anything is unbelievable because this whole city would be crippled by half the snow they get much less 14 inches or whatever crazy number they say oh that's like, just the second day of snow it doesn't even take and that's just the second day that's even as it yeah yeah exactly um it, it is yeah, they're going to Santa's ultimate Christmas present is to disrupt the entire ecology of the earth. Mm-hmm. To your point, Molly. seems, seems mm-hmm. rational and reasonable. The second thing I have to say, I like the elves. I think they're delightful. Yeah. You like Sparky and Crumpet. I like Sparky and Crumpet. I like their kind of like naivete dumbassery. I find them funny. Do you think it's funny that elves are tall, not small? Yeah. Because they love that joke. I they think it's funny it. that uh I think it's funny that Patrick Starfish and a former NBA player are elves. Like I, sure. I know they kill that joke, but I do find it very funny that they're like annoyed that everyone thinks they should be small. I don't it know. Is, yeah. pretty- I think I think they had some like pretty decent like bits with the two of them. Yeah, they're, they're bit characters and they do their job well um, and frequently. We, what I didn't like 
when Santa calls Mrs. Claus, he calls yep. he calls her Baba. Oh, he sure does. Oh. And then when they're hanging up the phone, she calls him Papa. She sure does. And then they go over the phone, <laughs> which I can. The kissing is less weird to me than calling each other Mama and Papa. Okay, no, no, hold on, hold on. The reason the kissing is weird is because she goes. Or, or, or Santa goes bye mama and she goes give me a kiss papa and then Bill Fagerbacki and uh, I, why do I keep forgetting his name John Sally lean in as if to listen to the kissing noises and then they both make kissing noises in the phone at each other it's the entire scene setup where I'm like no see again <laughs> I think they're kind of funny in this because they are giant men but they're playing like they're eight year old kids and so that's funny it's to me it is I'm crippled by the fact that he called her mama the yeah. mama and the papa mama thing. and the papa nope. Nope, 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 nope that sort of establishes Santa recognizes his weather machine is gone and things go crazy and then things do go crazy because it does begin to snow. And I think the residents of Los Angeles recognize it's an issue. At least those who don't have any sense recognize it's an issue. The kids love it. Sure. Kids are They're off school. I mean, all, so their, I. all their school is canceled. It's, it's great. I, I know none of us lived anywhere where it like, snowed a lot, but I did have a couple snow days in my experience. Do you all remember the thrill of waiting for your school to be announced on the mm-hmm. TV? I do. It was the best. I do. Now I'm it sure you just look online. Best. But yeah, that scene where she's waiting for the news announcer to say her school was real. It, yeah, yeah, it was very real. Is it bad that in my adult brain I was watching the snowfall and my immediate thought was, well, it was warm the day prior, so there's no shot that snow sticking to the ground. <laughs> I had the same thought. <laughs> it's magic snow, though. I was like, this is how I know I'm old now. Like, there's no shot that snow sticks. I, I, but, also, hey. really, I also really like that they don't have snow toys because they're in L.A., so they're all using their pool toys. Yeah, skimmer boards and, like, uh, Big inflatable whale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that was funny. So it was this, a good detail. It was a good detail. So this is also an Edwin comes back into play, the meteorologist subplot, where he has been <laughs> trying to, to talk about the weather again, and he's given this breaking news bulletin, and he keeps reading me like, that can't be real, and tries to throw it out. And there's this bit where they keep bringing back this trash crumpled up paper to Edwin. And they Edwin, do that about too, too many times. Yeah, they, they didn't need it the first. They hit that beat about too, too many times. And I, I said out loud when he kept throwing it, I looked and I screamed because I was already over this. I was like, Edwin, read the fucking paper, you nitwit. Just read it and move on. It's your job. You're a meteorologist on the news. He does not believe that this is happening. Snow couldn't happen. No, there's nothing that was, I couldn't have predicted this. It was none of the models. So Edwin, who I am convinced doesn't know what meteorology is, sits down and begins with a beaker. I, I'm pretty sure. Why does he have that in his desk? You cannot have a Bunsen burner at a cubicle. open flame. You cannot, you cannot have a Bunsen burner in your cubicle. No shot. Wait, what, and he just drops snow into blue water? <laughs> Have y'all seen it's, that? It's water. What did he think was going to happen? Have you seen that horribly <laughs> sad video of the raccoon trying to wash its cotton candy? Oh. Uh, you know, I haven't. What an incredibly specific thing for you to say to me. <laughs> it's well, a very that, sad that's video. That's what this is. It's, because so, the raccoon tries to wash his cotton candy and it, and it disappears. And then he gets sad because he can't find it. It's 
it's like so legitimately heartbreaking that's all i could think about is he's dropping the snow into the water like like yeah it's gonna it's, it's gonna, gonna melt, melt like, <laughs> like what do you think's gonna happen you went to school for this you idiot like what but, did you know but then his boss calls him into the office and his boss is uh jj from uh freaking spider-man yeah from the daily news the daily can Beagle. i just say that guy an asshole the boss a complete asshole and somehow I still might not want, I hate him as much as I hate <laughs> Edwin Hedley. That guy is a complete dick. They wrote him to be as mean as he can be, and I think he still might be more likable than this meteorologist. It's just crazy that like he's supposed to be part of the villain origin story for Edwin, and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about just one little detail I got to point out? He says to him, you're boring. You're fucking boring. You're boring you have a me. Lemon You're boring. Sucking grin. You're boring me. But then he says the only reason you still have a job is because I'm married to your sister. And then it shows a picture of their wedding the- day, and that's him in a wig, right? That, that was the actor of him in a wig, right? It is. I didn't it see is, it. It is him in a wig and lipstick. It's crazy. They put they put the actor of Edwin in a wig. Hold on. I got it now. I got it. It's crazy. I also thought the follow-up line of "and she's even telling me to fire you" is crazy too. Like even your sister hates you. Like. Uh. Did you find it? (laughs) (laughs) They aren't even trying to hide it. They aren't even trying to hide it. Why not just get any woman? Why do that? It's way funnier. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, golly. Holy shit, why? Who? Okay. <sighs> okay, so that entire scene is intended to set up sort of uh, Edwin's villain origin story. He needs to spice up his weather broadcast, which leads to him saying this exact line about the intersection of a cold front coming from Alaska and a warm front coming from the tropical south where he literally says, where the winds smell of Mexico and carry the sound of a mariachi band. Yeah, they do. (laughs) What? (laughs) To create a meteorological lombada. Regardless, all of this, all the kids are now celebrating in the snow. Getting together, having snowball fights. They're actually enjoying shoveling snow, which is just the biggest lie that's ever been perpetrated. That's because they don't do it. Um, Yeah, I guess there's there's like the, the newness factor. And we... As this is occurring, we cut to the elves reappearing, carrying what is truly just a fiero on a sled, which is their sleigh uh, with with a Sparky pulling the sled to Santa's uh, cabin. And there was like, all right, we got to find the perpetrator. We have to find the weather machine. We have to figure out where it's gone. They look everywhere in the space. Some using comically small micro uh, magnifying glasses before Santa pulls the trash can lid off the ground to find a perfectly preserved footprint of a size 14 male shoe. <laughs> it's a size seven Adidas 
something or other horse shit because he gave out a bunch of pairs of them last year yeah but not to everybody because some are on the naughty list and the only person who could steal his weather machine is clearly on the naughty list so you know what we're gonna do we're gonna look at the naughty list we're gonna narrow it down to la and we are gonna stalk all those children i don't know why i found this montage so funny but i did i was entertained by this montage of the naughty kids and the elves going up to them and being like, did you steal Santa's weather machine? Let me ask you a question. Do you think this is amusing I had while watching this? So uh, the two elves who made the, the Fiero, to your point, it was a new fangled sled that they wouldn't have to deal with reindeer. It was a new way for Santa to get around. Then we have the weather machine that disrupts. It causes all the snow. Then we have... Uh, when they're looking for the shoe, they, the elves want to run a program that can figure out what the shoe is. And Santa, before they can, snap, like, tells them what the shoe is. Then they want to run the Naughty West thing. And so, d- is the theme of this movie the downsides of technology? <laughs> Bold of you to assume this movie had a theme. <laughs> it feels like if I were to give this movie a theme that they continue to look at tech as non-functioning or less efficient or less desirable than other ways of doing things. In support that, of your argument, right? That the weather machine causes all of this problem, that these systems the elves have are never as good, that they would rather use the reindeer, right? That if there was a theme of this film, it, it feels like it's the downsides of technology or its effect on the way we operate or, or something of that nature. Well, if you think about the conversation that happened very early on this movie, and again, I'm giving this movie a lot of weight that I don't necessarily think it deserves, but... It was going to be called bonesforbowser.com that the dad was going to use to sell bones online. And Allie was like, Dad, do you ever think people are going to want to buy dog bones on the internet? Yeah, yeah, Allie, Chewy exists. True. Also, you can buy literally anything on the internet. So, like, dog bones True. is just a very niche thing, even in 2000. Yeah, I hear you. I think it's an interesting, interesting musing. Could um, be. I was too busy laughing at the <clears throat> fact that these kids are like, throwing snowballs at their neighbors and then or licking chocolate and putting it back in the container yeah that was gross but then it's funny to me that harold the mummy comes up and is like hey kid did you steal the weather machine while they are interrogating children in a very stalky way we cut back to Allie and sam in Allie's room preparing for the party with blake they're picking out their outfits on their snow day and Allie holds up an outfit. She's like, this new blouse, this new skirt, it's going to be great. And Sam goes, yeah, I know it is. I let you borrow that. Those are mine. Mm. And we have the instance of Sam having lent a number of things to Allie and Allie stealing all of them. This movie is better if Sam is your leading character. Mm. Because from Sam's perspective, she is constantly trying to keep her objectively shitty best friend in check and make sure the world doesn't go to hell. Like, it's always Sam trying to keep the bumpers on the bowling alley and Allie busting the hell out of there. Especially because we're about to learn that this little snowstorm is spiraled out of control and now they're having delays at the airport. So dad's not going to be able to make it back. And Allie says something very insensitive like, oh, I can't have Christmas without a dad. 
And it's at this moment that you learn we're clicking the single parent counter up because Sam's dad died when she was three. Yeah, boy, didn't that come out of nowhere? <laughs> Left field. Wow. Would have made a lot more sense if she was the main character. I, I want to follow that story. They turn off the weather machine. They think it's going to solve. Shortly after this, um, obviously the weather is horrible. The weather machine malfunctions. And while they think that everything is going to be fine because they turn the machine off, when they wake up in the morning, the storm has gotten worse. And Sam's mom has to go to the hospital where she works. And you get this interaction between Sam's mom and Allie's mom. She's like, the roads are terrible. You don't have to drive. Mom's like, there's nobody at the hospital. I got to go. And she's like, but it's not safe. And she's like, I can't do anything about it. And I was like, if mom dies. I know, right? That would be the darkest thing I've ever seen in a decom. That is the darkest time. Like we've established dad is already dead. And if mom dies in a car crash because your best friend caused a blizzard, that's the darkest thing I've ever seen in a decom. Or a movie. Yeah, maybe in any film. Any movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's spoiler alert. That doesn't happen, thankfully. But wow, that would be a dark turn. I thought Allie was like pretty annoying up until now. But at that point, I was like, you piece of shit. Like, you're going to kill your best friend's mom because she's got to go to the hospital. Yep. So while this is occurring, Allie and Sam and Joey and Lizzie McGuire's mom are all hanging out at home. We cut back again to the villain arc of Edwin, who is using GPS technology that doesn't exist to geolocate the origin of a blizzard to a very specific address. And then he goes out to drive in this terrible weather, commits a snowmobile jacking, and makes his way swiftly to the location established on his GPS. Yeah. Can you guys drive in snow? Yeah. I can't. Sure. I mean, I haven't had to very much, to your point. We all grew up in the South, but... No, I sure cannot drive. When I lived up in D.C., I had to. In the snow or on the ice. Sure. Yeah, I didn't have too much, so it's not like I wouldn't trust myself 100%, um, but I've done it before. As this is all sort of, the, the plot is coalescing at this point. All of our key players, those key story arcs, are coming together. Allie and Sam are trying to figure out a way to spirit away the weather device, to turn it off, to stop it from creating a blizzard. Joey is just being annoying that's not a plot. That's just him in general. Uh-huh. Santa sure. and the elves are trying to once again interrogate a bunch of children, specifically girls on the naughty list. And Edwin is trying to complete his villain arc and become truly the next supervillain of the DCOM universe. And it all happens in and around Allie's home. Who do you think's more annoying, Allie or Edwin? Ooh, that's tough. I think Edwin, personally. Ooh, interesting. Mostly because of this scene that we're about to get. Yeah, the scene we're about to get does... Had we not had this scene with Edwin, I would have gone all in on Allie. Sure. You know, what's interesting about Allie... No way. Is that... This is the one. This is the, she's Allie, the one? Huh? Mm-hmm. Allie? Could have gone through Lizzie McGuire. No, too easy. <laughs> oh, well, okay. you know what? I respect it. We've got Allie, right? She's played by Hallie Hirsch, who I actually quite enjoyed as Annabelle Fox, F-O-X, in You've Got Mail. Hmm. She is huh. Tom Hanks's aunt or sister or something. There's like a weird 
family relationship. I love the movie You've Got Mail. I'm sure you all do as well. And uh, in You've Got Mail, one of the shopkeepers of uh, Meg Ryan's shop is Steve Zahn. He plays George Pappas. And I recently watched a great show with Steve Zahn where he played Mark Mossbacher in White Lotus. Mm. That's a great show. Highly recommend. But of course, the real star of White Lotus is Jennifer Coolidge, who plays Tanya. Are we going to Legally Blonde? She is in Legally Blonde, yes. Yeah. She's also in Click, where she Mm. plays Janine, alongside Adam Sandler, who plays Michael Newman. But you might also know Adam Sandler as Lenny Fetter in the Grown Ups films. And in Grown Ups 2, who stole the show more than Mary Flozu? Who? Yeah, you remember. What role did she play? Mary Flozu is the role. The actress oh. is Ellen Cleghorn. Okay. And she's, she's great in everything she does, including her incredible role as Helga the Nurse uh-huh. in the 1998 smash hit Armageddon. Nice. Wow. Helga the Nurse. Helga the Nurse. Helga. I appreciate, can I just say, before we go the other way. Yeah. I appreciate your commitment to finding the, the maybe secondary or tertiary roles here. And I imagine that you're trying to fill out the whole bracket. I'm trying um, to really go. And I, I respect it. Thank you. Then, yeah. Then I hope you respect that I'm going to talk about one of the screenwriters of Armageddon. Uh, oh, good. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, why why yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You may have heard of him. J.J. Abrams. Oh, I have. He was one of the screenwriters for Armageddon. Uh, but you, you know, both of you are probably more into J.J. Abrams as his work as the director and writer of the Force Awakens, mm. Star Wars Episode Seven, my favorite Star Wars. Controversial, I know, but that is that is something I live with. And I learned something very interesting recently that you both probably already know as Star Wars fans is that Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper in that movie. That's true. Yeah, he that's played, He was a cameo. He was the one that releases Ray just because he mm-hmm. was like, you know, Hollywood types chatting, and he's like, I want to be a stormtrooper, and J.J. Abrams is like, okay. And he was. But yep. what I really like Daniel Craig in is his role as Benoit Blanc in the Knives Out series. Most mm-hmm. recently in Glass Onion, which mm-hmm. released on Netflix this holiday season. A better holiday film than this one. Mm, undeniably. In Glass Onion, Jackie Hoffman plays <sighs> Ma. But she also played Amanda in The Social Ones. Alongside... Don't know that movie. Nah, me neither. But you know what? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I've made the list. Because starring as Steven Schleppelnick was Peter Scolari, who in this film plays your favorite character, Edwin the Meteorologist. Perfect. Nice. Well done. Book ended it with the two worst characters. Oh, I'm <sighs> proud of you. I mean, Thank good you. good for you. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Okay, the plot is coalescing. Everybody is coming together. Allie and Sam eventually make it out to the shed to find some, I believe they're looking for like flashlights because the electricity has gone out now uh, due to the no, blizzard. No, 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 no. Allie, in her infinite wisdom, and her inability to admit that she's made a mistake. She's in the middle of, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. She, instead of listening to her friend, she's really mean to Sam. 
she she says horrible things to sam about how like sam chickens out of everything and like how sam's she's horrible to she puts the blame on sam like she's Mm -hmm. like well you should have stopped me if you thought this wasn't a good idea there's no Mm -hmm. accountability but instead of like apologizing to her friend and being a better person she's like i have an idea let's get hangers and stuff and make the antenna bigger so that the storm goes to space yeah let's take this local problem and make it a world problem let's ruin the world let's do what santa wanted to do (laughs) right Allie's trying to bring on Armageddon. You're going to, in just a moment, you're not going to need six degrees. It's going to, we're welcome to Armageddon. We made it to the film. Like uh, Allie is trying to end the world is, is what Allie is trying to do. Pretty much. But they're going to the garage to get things and to do this plan. You, well, sorry. I, that is true. That that is Allie's idea. I will, because Sam is the best character in spite of, of Allie being an absolute dog shit friend. Mm-hmm. Sam <laughs> suggests a different idea, which is put it in a lead box. And Allie says, oh, well, I don't right. have one of those. And she's like, well, my dad has a big toolbox. So they go to the garage under the guise, Alan, of finding flashlights because the power is out because mom doesn't want them to go outside. They go uh, under the guise of finding flashlights. They go out into the garage to find dad's toolbox to hide or to put the robot in to try to stop it from making a uh, blizzard. Because Sam, being the only voice of reason in the movie, is like, hey, what if you didn't send it to space? Maybe don't do the thing that would ruin the earth. I, I do. I know we're getting to the, the climax of the story. So I got to ask real quick. And it's fitting that Harold the Mummy's here. Sam is our Gilbert. Better or worse than Gilbert? Oh, better. better Way than better. Way, Way better. better. Way better. She's like a top tier BFF yeah. character. Yes. Yeah. She is. She's uh, about as high as you can go. I think to, to date the best Gilbert. To I date. think that might be true. I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. That's better. Yeah. I was saying. Santa and Crumpet and Sparky appear in the shed. Santa does like this, this like David Blaine street magic thing to try to convince <laughs> Allie and Sam that he is Santa. Why were they in the shed? They were in the shed when Sam and yes. Allie got there in yes. the dark. They were just in the shed. I don't know, but I didn't also, know, I didn't know Santa knew like all your secrets. It seems like a, if he knew all those things, he would have known where the weather machine was. Yes. We get a real That's creepy surveillance true. situation <laughs> at the end of this film, and I had questions yeah, that we're Santa's gonna like, to. I watch you dance around a Ricky Martin, and it's like, That's weird, Santa. Um yeah. That's kind of creepy, Santa. And so, now I'm thinking about yeah, why wouldn't he have just known where the weather machine was? Yeah, if they never, can never survey any child. We also, are we going to come back to the weatherman coming in the house? We got to oh, no, talk no. about that. that. That happens right now. So while Allie and Sam are having the conversation with Santa, Santa's doing David Blaine street magic. Edwin shows up to the house Sports and is like, so just ask the question, can I come in? Yeah. No reason provided. And mom is like, sure. Get in here, pal. Yeah. It's a he blizzard says, out there. He says, hey, I'm the, the meteorologist. She recognizes him. And then she, he's like, you won a prize for the contest. Spend the afternoon with Edwin. It's a shitty prize. And she's like, I don't recall <laughs> applying, but okay. And then Edwin proceeds to act like he's never spoken to another human being in his entire life. <laughs> 
Who's this? Holds up picture of husband. That's my husband. Oh, he's like, can does I he have work some for the co- government? He's like, can I have coffee with tea and sugar? But I want to, or with cream and sugar. But I want to mix the cream and sugar out here where I can see it. Also, bake me cookies and give me candy and make me a pot roast. <laughs> Guys, I I'm gonna tell you something I haven't I haven't shared yet. Oh God! When we watched Don't Look Under the Bed, <laughs> I told you that I was compelled to turn the film off yeah yeah go on i told you that i felt a need to turn the movie off uh-huh but that my allegiance to this podcast kept me from doing so did you fast forward Max? when edwin took the lampshade <laughs> off of the lamp <laughs> for seemingly no reason at all yeah, I, I looked I at recall. the film and said, "There's 23 minutes of this movie left. I can't do this anymore." And I turned it off. <laughs> now I went back and I finished it, but this movie compelled me to do something no other film has done. It broke you, which is that I quite literally said, "I can't do it," and I turned the film off. <laughs> I think at that moment, by the way, I looked across the room at Molly and shouted, just end it. I I was like, if there's five more minutes, I'll push through. But there was like 21 more minutes. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I, I might, I might break if I have to do this for 20 more minutes. God, it was so bad. And I turned it off. Listen, I don't blame you. I I I don't have any regrets. Yeah. You listen. You fin- You came back. You yeah. triumphed. Oh my god. Okay. 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 Let's trudge through this weird shit. So we have Edwin in the house with his lampshade. He then takes the lampshade upstairs with him to find Joey, this piece of shit, sitting with the blizzard machine with an open window in Allie's room, with the blizzard going everywhere. He's covered in sawdust. Edwin is like, you could go to jail and then takes the machine from Joey because Joey's like, I don't want to go to jail. And then he leaves the room. But also Joey's not at all concerned that there's a random man in his house. No, not at all. He has, that's completely normal. And also Edwin just turns the machine off, which has kind of been the, the whole thing is that, is that the machine will turn off. And so Edwin takes it from Joey, just turns it off. Did you hear what he said afterwards? He goes, I will be the best. I will be the ultimate weatherman. (laughs) I will control the weather. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you guys. I kind of love that he's turning into a (laughs) supervillain. I think it's, it's so crazy. It is, it is so out of control. It is so out of left field to we don't need a weatherman plot at all. <laughs> at all. This movie, we really don't. This movie makes we really don't. just as much sense without the weatherman. There's no reason but the, but the fact that they not only added this weird weatherman plot, and then they literally turned him into a supervillain had me dying. Because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and I just like the commitment to how crazy this idea is. Molly needs to rate this movie first. When we yes, get to the end, 100%. I need to know we are Molly's not rating that first. Yes, Molly, you rate it first. Uh, okay. Santa, Sparky, Crumpet, break into the house with Allie and Sam and find Edwin at the top of the stairs with the weather machine. Edwin then jumps from the house, leaves, and then we begin a chase scene. 
A chase scene that results in Edwin crashing into a candy factory and being flung into a vat of hot chocolate. Which Edwin, I think would kill you. Yeah, Edwin would die. Uh, he, he, he has completed a supervillain transformation because his body is able to withstand molten chocolate. They then go searching for Edwin, and it takes the smartest person in the room. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Allie did this, so she's not the smartest person in the room. It takes Allie saying, like, follow the chocolate footsteps, like a weird Dora the Explorer plot line. And they follow the chocolate footsteps to where Edwin is still is seated on top of a, a, a set of scaffolding. They corner Edwin, take the weather machine from Edwin as he attempts to zip line with a candy cane and falls into a box of cotton candy. You have to tar and feather every bad guy. It is a requirement in these kind of moments in a Home Alone-esque scene. You have to tar and feather them. With this semi-resolved, Crumpet and Sparky take Edwin hostage and they go to Santa's summer house. Santa then works on and fixes his device where they realize that he had the wrong battery in the device which caused it to break. Now I want to I wanna just pause for a moment here because we are approaching the end of this film. The two points of tension and conflict in this movie are as follows. A creative writing assignment and incorrect batteries. Yeah, dead batteries, basically. That's horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. Think about it. I mean, I I agree. A writing assignment and dead batteries? We got an evil meteorologist from that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We got a supervillain. I also want to say the most unrealistic part of this entire movie, and I'm talking more unrealistic than a weather machine, than... Then the entire, the entire plot of this movie, the most unrealistic thing is how quickly she opens that battery pack. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried That's to open true. that fucking plastic. That's true. You're going to need scissors. You cut your hand. You're going to need like uh, Jesus. I don't know. But you. <laughs> mechanic you, Jesus. You, please you need open probably will need Jesus. You I need agree. mechanical Jesus because it is like those are so hard to open. And she just is like, here, Santa, here's your ever marries uh, yep and now we have to wrap every single plot line in about three minutes so here's what we do we have santa sit down to Allie and is like hey Allie, maybe if you quit being such a narcissistic asshole you'll make it onto the nice list cool cool i was like great i'll work on that edwin is like hey i'm i i need to go back and move my pulitzer which it doesn't even apply in this situation and santa's like you know what i've watched you since you were a kid you love meteorology what if i just relocate you to the arctic so you can teach meteorology to people who look identical to you and Edmund's like great dope let's do it and then he looks at crumpet and spark he's like hey we got to get back to the north pole asap so we can start this whole christmas shindig let's go and crumpet and sparky are like yeah dope let's do it so everybody's doing the the three thumbs up together like i am captain planet our powers unite and then ally not doing what Santa asked her to do, and which is like stop being a narcissistic plot hog, goes up to Santa, breaks everybody's thumbs apart, and is like, hey, Santa, I have one last favor to ask of you. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Fade to black. Well, I just want to know, a whole plot point you missed, because there are 17 plots going on, is that Allie's family is so busy, they never spend any time together. Mm-hmm. And that <sighs> they don't understand the true meaning of Christmas. Yep. They think it's about presents. Don't try to make me feel bad for Allie. But it's don't. really about no, spending time with the ones you love. No, it's just yep. one of 17 plots. It's yep. like Quint's level of plots. Jesus. Okay. 
Because then they get back home for Christmas, yeah. and then Allie's like, I don't even care that I don't have a present, like, because her mom's like, oh, it's snowing. And she's Maybe like, joining Team X Blads isn't the thing for me. And she's like, yep. it's okay. I just want to hang out with you. I, I want to say this. We're at the end. We're trying. I, I hear you. I do want to say, I thought that the message at the end of the film was actually okay. Because Santa talks about, like, yes, you're still a bad kid. Yes, you're still on the naughty list. Not everything's fixed because now we're resolving this plot. You're still a bad kid, but you don't always have to be a bad kid. And you can channel this thing that you're doing in better ways. And I thought that that was an interesting perspective for a DCOM to take. Hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was an interesting reason to make Allie the main character of this movie is to basically be like, no, this is a bad kid or like, a, you know, a kid that's on the naughty list who like we are following. And the, and the result is no, you are a bad kid, but you don't have to be a bad kid. And like there are other ways that felt unique to me. It's just that it was buried in a, an hour and a half horrible movie. Like I, I, I wish I would love to have that message if I could have gotten to it. But if I didn't have a podcast, I would have never made it there because I turned this movie off 20 minutes before the message got delivered. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's an interesting message wrapped up in, in a trash. Just bag. because I'm bad guy does not mean I'm bad guy. Uh, Zangief, Zangief, welcome back. The present that Ali asked for was that her father be brought home. Who could have predicted that? So Crumpet and Sparky... Oh, spark it and crumpy, as dad calls them. Go and pick dad up. Take him to take him back home. Dad does the nice thing, delivers the charm to the mom, which was another proof like, hey, these are okayest parents. They have a family moment together, play in the snow. We get a snowball montage. We get a Santa stalking humanity montage via his mini uh, closed circuit televisions. And we get Edwin teaching meteorology in the arctic rap movie that is the end of the ultimate christmas present we got there we did it wasn't pretty do you feel accomplished no <laughs> sometimes in these i feel sad <laughs> <laughs> i feel sad because it's over yeah that's that you nailed it i know molly yeah what do you rate this movie? Uh, okay, here's the thing. It's it's pretty bad. I can agree with that. There's a, a lot of problems. But you know what? I liked the elves. I liked the supervillain weatherman. And I loved, I loved that they put the weatherman in a wig to be sister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a uh, 4.8. <laughs> not, not quite average, but not not the worst thing I've seen. Uh-huh. Alan. I loathe this movie mainly for two, mainly for every character save the world's okayest parents and Brenda's song. Yeah. There were times where I said out loud, Brenda Song is the only reason I'm going to continue watching this because her character, Sam, is the only redeeming quality of this movie. Yeah. And then we got the message at the end, which again, on second second thought and kind of going through it, yeah, good message. However, that does not affect my rating. 
It is a 2.6. I think this movie is bad. It, it, let me tell you this. If this movie had a shred, a singular line of dialogue, an iota of exposition, it would be lower than Quince in a heartbeat. What saved it was the lack of... If Ali dared speak a VO line of exposition, it would have been very low. But as such, it is a 2.6. Are you saying this doesn't save it? No. Molly is showing me the picture of Edwin in a wig. It's so funny. 2.6. Max, where are you at? I hate this movie. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it so much I turned it off with 20 minutes left. And I swear to God, if we didn't have this podcast, I'd never finish it. (laughs) It made me physically uncomfortable watching multiple scenes of this film because of how much I disliked them. The Edwin scene in the house tops the list, but it is not alone. (laughs) Don't Look Under the Bed compelled me to turn it off. This movie succeeded in me turning it off. I am giving this movie a point seven. Whoa. Ooh, dang. I I will say this movie kind of ruined Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you guys a little bit. Why of does his yeah. beard look like that? Did Why you see he... his beard? His, his hair is just white. And then his beard looks like they spray painted. Oh, they, a, they painted a... it. That's beard paint. And then, oh, but it's between him calling Mrs. Claus mama. And then the creepy, like watching of young girls dance around their living room. I was like, I don't know that I like this universe of Santa. Yeah. It's yeah. Not good. Uh, oh, also the, the casual, like, Real earthquake reference. Uh, and the Laker girls. I didn't like that. Either. Not good. And of course, Joey is the, the most worst. obnoxious character maybe ever in a TV yeah. series. That's another piece that made me want to turn. It's like when they're both like, Mom, Joey did this. And then, Mom, Ellie did this. I'm like, God, make it stop. Make it <laughs> stop. Make it, just make it in. Maybe that's the only child in me that I have no, I have absolutely no tolerance for that. But when the both of them are yelling over each other, Mom, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I grew up with the sibling. I can tell you that did happen, and it's bad. Okay, I have some unsettling news to share to both of you. Oh, God. This movie received rave reviews from the users on IMDb. Oh, no. I did, however, find one that is a 5 of 10. Okay. Title of this movie is, this review is just for kids. I had the honor today to view this masterpiece. (laughs) <laughs> a movie about two girls who stole a snowmaking machine. And guess what? Santa needs it. Oh, that's so sweet. But it's wrong. <laughs> what is this reading? I'm reading it as it's written. I'm not not sure the story are, but itself. I don't want you to stop. But the way it was put on screen, having as a target audience only kids, like less than 12-year-old kids, even my sisters found it pathetic. So I judged it based on their age, which is a weird sentence. I'd like to point out some things. One of them is that some ideas of the movie weren't that bad, but clearly the film was done in such a way that it would only interest people who don't want to see good movies. Why did they put quotes around that good? Like it's a, it's a good movie or not. It doesn't make sense to me. Actors. 
ellipses. They well, have them. Yeah, they do. Well, what can you expect? I think I'd mark their performance as decent. I was really yes. curious how the two girls would act, as I'd already seen Spencer Breslin in The Kid. His performance was less than acceptable. <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> You're not wrong, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, and this is my favorite. And you can notice that his character had some quite similar traits to the one as in The Kid. Also, all the kids he plays. Yeah, every, and, every and kid. And the Santa Claus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The two girls didn't have one of the hardest jobs. <laughs> Why all the quotes? I don't know. It's not that hard to play a role you actually play in real life. Is he uh, saying that Hallie Hurst is a dick in real life? Yeah, yes. maybe. I tried to compare the performance to the ones of the over-talented kids in Harry Potter. Sacrilege. How dare you? I find it hard to make a comparison between them, though, because as I said, <laughs> it's easy to play as yourself and much harder to play as a teenage wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish this short opinion sharing. By this is not short at all. The movie was pathetic, generally because it was made for little kids. But still, I've seen this movies. I've seen movies with this target audience that still had fun. This just wasn't the case. Wow. Five of ten. That was fun. So many quotes. We've had some real winter reviews lately. I do think it would be harder to play a teenage wizard. (laughs) <laughs> than it would be playing a kid like a real kid an annoying mm-hmm. okay you two we have Xenon the sequel coming up next mm. we're returning to blessed IP that we know and that is yes. familiar I am thrilled about this I don't know how you both are feeling but I am thrilled I'm, I'm happy it's sequel season yeah I'm tickled and I like motocross which is soon all right, well, let's take a deep breath and look forward to that. Everybody just purifying breath in and out. <sighs> Listeners, we hope you joined us in the little oosah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to rate, review, follow the podcast, review, follow, follow, follow podcast. It really does help us out. Follow us on all of our socials. It's either at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore Club. And until next time, folks, we appreciate you. We will see you soon. We are on to greener pastures, everybody. Zine on the sequel. Did you guys week. read Catcher in the Rye? Oh, my God. Just... I mean, I didn't ever have to write a book about it or a report. About I liked Catcher in the Rye. I, I thought it was That's fine. A pretty...